Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. So we created gift boxes that look like jewelry boxes. I often wonder if a five-piece box of chocolates, when they're gifted, if some of our customers are surprised that they're only chocolates and not maybe a tennis bracelet, a diamond (laughs) bracelet, or a necklace. I'm Dalia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, get ready for a sweet escape. We're talking Valentine's Day chocolates with Florida's own Norman Love. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. If you're going to do an episode about Valentine's Day chocolates in Florida, which is what this is, then there's really just one man for the job. And not only because his last name happens to be Love. Norman Love is the founder of Norman Love Confections. It's a Fort Myers-based candy company that specializes in chocolates that look as good as they taste. I chatted with Norman about the challenges of running a chocolate company in hot, humid Florida, you can imagine, and how to choose chocolates for that special someone or maybe just to treat yourself. Norman started by explaining how his fascination with beautiful desserts goes back to his childhood. You know, it goes back to a really young age where mom, grandmother, aunts were very active in the kitchen, almost competitive, you know, not professionally, but for, you know, holiday dinners. And they all took a lot of pride in this, in the dessert world. And they produced and made delicious things. And I, I just noticed as a kid, it was, you know, a, a, a course that made people happy. And I had a huge attraction for art. I loved art. I was a really creative kid. And I saw this connection between the culinary arts and art itself and a way to express art. And it's really what drew me to the culinary arts and specific desserts. This is the perfect marriage of art and confections. So for people who are unfamiliar, can you just describe what these actually look like? Well, you know, as a professional pastry chef, and I always looked at chocolates, regardless if they were very expensive chocolates or they were inexpensive chocolates, they look the same to me. And as a pastry chef growing up in the 80s and in the 90s, Americans, we were learning, we were developing our cuisine. And that artistic expression that existed in the dining experience was coming along in pastry, but didn't exist in chocolate. And you see, I believe the Americans ate with their eyes. And you open a box of chocolates, it just looked like, you know, brown, tan, and white. 
And there was no real artistic expression. And that wow factor, the element of surprise that existed in the dining experience didn't exist in chocolate. So although I did not create the technique, I was the first to put it on confections. And my global travels with Ritz-Carlton, my past life as a corporate pastry chef for Ritz, you know, I learned that the world enjoyed eating with their eyes. And although no one was putting color, I got a lot of, of static from, from friends around the world, professionals. And I'm really humbled by today that the world uses color on chocolates. It's because it creates excitement. It's beautiful to look at. They're jewel-like. And we use colored cocoa butters and lots of airbrush techniques, faux finishing techniques that help create this artistic expression that transfers onto the surface of a chocolate. And when you open a box of Norman Love confections, you do say, wow. You say, oh my gosh, look at these chocolates. They look like jewels. And it was a lot of the inspiration Singular flavors made with the freshest ingredients. I import ingredients from all over the world, made by hand, short shelf like made to be eaten quickly, like artisanal products around the world. Chocolatiers, especially in Europe, you go to the chocolate shop to buy chocolates and they're meant to be eaten in a short period of time. No preservatives and just everything about integrity, everything about quality, everything about the finest ingredients. And then let's make them look really beautiful so that everyone enjoys, you know, gifting them and or self-indulging them. They are jewel-like. And I honestly, about an hour ago, was on Amazon looking for a birthday gift for my mom. But I feel like this is the way to go because they taste good, but it's not just a candy bar you got from the machine. It is the perfect gift for someone else or for yourself. Do you hear from people that they're too pretty to eat? And what's your response to that? Yeah, that's been my our whole career. In fact, we almost named the company OMG Confections because so many people used to say, oh my gosh, when they opened these. You know, the boxes are designed to look like jewelry boxes purposely. There is a little crazy, you know, direction here that our customers, listening customers, and they were saying to me that your chocolates look like jewelry. So we created gift boxes that look like jewelry boxes. I often wonder if our customers are surprised that they're only chocolates and not maybe a tennis bracelet, a diamond <laughs> tennis bracelet, or a necklace. But, you know, nevertheless, I mean, our chocolates have been gifted, I mean, for many years, we're 20 years old, our company, for many years around the United States, and they're so well-received. You know, these are very different than most confections that are available in our country. You know, our company has received so many national and global accolades. And, you know, the true testament is, you know, my team, that my, my family that come to work every day with a purpose to do something right, to, to never compromise the integrity of the things that we do. And uh, this is a lot of the philosophical values of Norman Love Confections. And 20 years later, it's never been about how much. It has to be about how good. Always focusing on the product and service and growing our company carefully, strategically, methodically, never losing focus of the product. Well, for the record, I would rather have the chocolates than the tennis bracelet, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Let's talk about gifting chocolates because we are approaching Valentine's Day and people don't want the chalky taste. You know, they want something that really makes them feel special. So what sort of uh, guidelines can you offer for knowing what types of sweets are best for what types of people? Well, I think that, you know, the whole ultra premium confectionery business in our country has really evolved over the last decade, decade and a half. And Americans are becoming educated because artisans like myself 
handmade confectioners around the country have been popping up for years and getting and making really quality, delicious confections. And in fact, that ultra premium product in many different aspects of purchasing cars and jeans and purses is part of our society. And I truly believe Americans are okay with spending a little more for an ultra premium product, but deliver the goods. And I think that a product like ours, that is, you know, this handmade product that is using really high quality chocolate, it's not full of sugar, you know, they're not artificial ingredients, fresh fruit purees, and, you know, sourcing the absolute finest so that they are not only delicious in the palate, not overly sweet. They're well balanced with texture and acidity and lots of complexity of flavor with chocolate because we source chocolates from all over the world. And just like wine, the territory the beans come from based on sunlight and, and rainfall and elevation and so on really create an underlying flavor profile in the cacao. So very much like wine, Cocoa or cacao are very similar fruits. And we source specific chocolates from different parts of the world based on the flavor profiles of a product that we want to, to, to make. For instance, we're going to make a dark chocolate raspberry piece. So I'm looking for a chocolate with lots of red fruit tones and maybe some hints of vanilla and you know slight acidity. For instance, maybe from the Maracaibo region of Venezuela, you know, a 65% Maricaibo that has just an incredible balance of fruit and acidity. And then you add fresh fruit, raspberry puree to it, and it becomes like this perfect marriage. So a lot of consideration with the flavor profiles of chocolate go into and determining which one to use for specific flavors. And we create about 25 different flavors in our core line and five flavors in black, which is our single origin dark chocolates, which was created many years ago because of the health benefits that surround dark chocolate. But all about quality ingredients, fresh butter, fresh cream, high quality fruit purees, chocolates from all over the world, ultra premium chocolates. So it's, it's an easy recipe. You have to use great ingredients if you expect to make something good. For sure. So let's talk about some of these fillings. I'm looking on your website and there's like PB&J and caramel, <laughs> pistachio, marshmallow. I'm a caramel girl myself. Does that say anything about me? First of all, I'm a caramel guy. So I guess, I guess, no, I think that it's one of the more popular flavors, especially to Americans. But here's the secret behind caramel. Caramel primarily is made of sugar, glucose, vanilla, lots of sugar that's caramelized. Sometimes there would be some heavy cream and butter to finish the caramel. But the primary ingredient is sugar, oftentimes so sweet that you can't taste the caramel. Because like a savory chef, if you eat food that's too salty, you don't taste the food, you taste the salt. The same in the pastry kitchen or chocolate kitchen. Something too sweet, you can't taste the actual flavor. So salt has become a really important ingredient in pastry and also in chocolate. So it's a balance of salty and sweet. So the salt is cutting the sweetness of the caramel, but accentuating the flavor. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. I'm very proud of my caramel piece because we make copper kettles by hand. It takes about two hours to create a batch of caramel blended with a beautiful milk chocolate to create this just delicious balance of sweet and salty and that strong pronounced caramel flavor. I think Americans, although the world is eating more dark chocolate, still really enjoy 
a, uh, a milk chocolate piece that has a really soft and very delicious buttery caramel inside. So I'm in agreement with you. Oh, good. We could we could be fast friends. So so it's one thing if I'm picking out chocolates for my mom, like I mentioned, or my husband. But what if it's, you know, my kid's kindergarten teacher or someone at church? I don't know them quite as well, but I want them to feel special. Do you have any advice for choosing chocolates or other treats? Maybe when we don't know the person as well. Should we just get one of everything? It's a great question. If you're buying for a loved one, you know, some of the things that we allow and and encourage is our customers to choose those flavors so that it becomes an extra special gift. But for those that you don't know, I mean, we have all size boxes of chocolates and we offer a beautiful line of Valentine's chocolates that will get launched in another week and a half or so. But what's beautiful about that is that we have these collections, these selections of different size boxes with our most popular darks, milks, whites, and truffles in the box. And every box always has a map to help identify. So maybe every piece isn't a recipient's favorite pieces. Oftentimes, many people, once they start first eating recognizable flavors like caramel, they get more adventurous. And I have to say, as a chocolatier, as a chef, I've always believed to create singular flavors, recognizable flavors. So I'm not a chef that creates all these crazy and wacky and weird flavor combinations. I like to create straightforward. Vanilla is vanilla, you know, and and peanut butter and jelly is is, is like kind of as adventurous as I get. And a lot of people that are listening might think peanut butter and jelly chocolate. I remember when I made this piece, homemade red fruit jam, delicious homemade peanut butter blended with milk chocolate. It's our number one selling piece in my collections and has been with us a long time. It brings you back to your childhood. It's comfort foods. It reminds you of grandma's kitchen and a, a Wonder Bread sandwich, squishing the, the jam out of, out of a peanut butter sandwich. And it's so much about who I am. Flavors that are recognizable, comfort foods, flavors that, that everyone knows. Yeah, there's nothing worse than biting into something that you think is going to taste yeah. one way and then it's all frou-frou and you're like, just give me a PB&J. <laughs> Don't make it fancy. Have people's preferences changed in the 20 years that you've been doing this? Is there anything you make now that you never imagined you would be requested to make? Well, I think that, you know, trends come and go. And I like to, to make flavors that our customers like and understand We're listening to our customers. But, you know, tr- Yes, trends come and we have flavors of the month that come and go. And, you know, this gives us the opportunity to kind of dabble and play and test our um, our fan base, our customers and for their for their likes and dislikes. And, and we've created some fun flavors over the years and some that I would be surprised, you know, would be enjoyed, like a caramelized bacon and bourbon piece that we did for Father's Day a couple years ago. And I can't believe how much we sold of it. Look at the bourbon world today and how popular that has become. Artisanal bourbons and so many distilleries. And it's fun to play with that because first, it's a popular topic. And secondly, is it's complex flavors in bourbons. And to mix those with caramels or with dark chocolates, it becomes really fun and really interesting and delicious. And so I enjoy, as a chef, experimenting and playing with things that are popular. I look towards sometimes coffee drinks that are popular, sometimes ice cream flavors that are fun. We did a piece some years ago. It was um, inspired by walking through the airport or a mall in Cinnabon. 
right? I mean, everyone smells that and everyone recognizes that flavor and everyone swears, I can't eat that. That's just too fattening or it's not good for me. And you end up eating it in that little gooey centerpiece that everyone enjoys so much. Everyone in this country could relate to that. So why don't we create a cinnamon bun like peace with the glaze and the cinnamon ganache inside and the milk chocolate shell? And it was crazy popular for a long time, but it's kind of how I think as a chef. Oh, you got me doing like the Homer Simpson drool. <laughs> What's a flavor combination that didn't work? I talked to Stephen Damari a couple years ago who founded the Hippo Ice Pops. And he talked about how sometimes they would take two things that they thought would be amazing together and it just didn't work. So is there anything you thought might work that just didn't pan out? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've had flavors and they come and go over the course of years. You know, after 20 years, we've had a lot of retired, a lot of flavors. And it's not always because they don't work or they've been poor performers, but maybe they're not as good as some of the others and gives us an opportunity to create others, you know, newness. But I mean, I did one called Chocolate Eclair, which was, you know, two layers inside a confection. You know, I like that vanilla custard and a dark chocolate. So it's almost, you know, trying to mimic that whole experience of biting into an eclair, you know, the softness of the of the pepper and the vanilla custard that's cool and creamy inside. And then that chocolate glaze that brings some chocolatey sweetness. Wasn't overly successful. I thought it was a fun concept. I tried and struggled for years and still to this day, I've never finish this piece. You know, I've been occupied a lot in growing a company, but coffee and donuts I've wanted to do for years. But that, that whole experience of a hot cup of joe and a glazed donut, and who doesn't know that? But how do you transform that flavor combination and textures and sweetness and bitterness of coffee into a confection one bite thing? So that's been a challenge for sure. I hope you get it because that sounds amazing. <laughs> it would be fun. You know, it's fun. You know, people get it. Cheesecake, number one dessert in America, cheesecake. Cheesecake, tiramisu, creme brulee, these are very important desserts in, in American dining. A New York cheesecake, and it took me so long to make the cheesecake because I wanted it to experience that whole flavor profile. As pastry chef, I made a million cheesecakes. And you know, we've done chocolate cherry cheesecake, and we've done you know raspberry cheesecake, and we've done white chocolate and macadamia cheesecake. We've done New York cheesecake. It's always really popular. And you know, again, concentrating on flavors that, everyone understands. If I tell you cheesecake, your mouth is going to, you know, that kind of semi-dense creaminess. You got a little tartness from the cream cheese. You know, it's, it's you know, light sweetness. You know, it's a great indulgence that everybody gets. Well, how do I do that but put it into a, you know, a 10-gram confectionery shell? That does sound like a challenge. Even for someone like you, as you said, you're so accomplished. You have the training. You have decades of experience. A lot of people want to experiment with making their own chocolates. Do you have any advice for making confections at home? Chocolate is a really complex subject. And although the dessert enthusiast or homemaker that wants to do desserts and or confections, it's not just about taking chocolate, quality or not, and melting it and trying to make confections. There are crystals that are present in cocoa butter. And in order for chocolate to gain the characteristics like shine and good contraction and snap, one of those crystals has to be developed. And this requires some technical skill. They have some home machines that kind of work and do, and that's okay. But for the average person who buys you know, a half a dozen delicious, high-quality chocolate bars and is going to set out to try to make a mold of chocolate or some confections, if you don't know how to temper the chocolate or pre-crystallize the chocolate, 
you're going to end up with that gray, streaking, not shiny, sometimes can't drop out of a mold confections. Working the chocolate and getting the chocolate to the temperature and pre-crystallization that's necessary to get success is really technical. To make the fillings of boiling cream and pouring it over chopped chocolate and stirring and maybe adding liqueur or spices into the cream or infused flavors and then finish with some butter, that's easy. You can make ganache. That's that soft, creamy, truffle-like interior. So advice is maybe on Pinterest or look up a dark chocolate truffle that you're hand-rolled. So you're making a ganache. It's allowing it to crystallize. It gets firm. You can take some in your hand with a little cocoa powder or powdered sugar and roll a ball, allow them to cool, and then dip it into some chocolate, even if it's not pre-crystallized, and roll it into cocoa powder and kind of make truffles. That would be okay. You could certainly get something successful. But molded chocolates or hand-dipped chocolates, if you don't know how to pre-crystallize chocolate, and it's complex, is really challenging. It sounds challenging because on the surface, it sounds like, oh, you're Willy Wonka. You just play with chocolate all day, but there's a lot of science involved. My gosh, yes. What makes Fort Myers or Florida in general a good place for this type of business? Well, let's start with nothing, right? That's nothing. Florida is the worst place. Humidity and heat are the two enemies of chocolate. And uh, this idiot, I mean, guy opened the business. Well, this was my home. I was based here with Ritz um, from 1990 beautiful community. Children were raised here, opened the business. And 20 years later, with 140 employees, here we are. The heat and humidity are such obstacles. And our, and our geographic location, we're at the end of the world here in Southwest Florida. Everything's far. Everything is, you know, to ship things is sensitive during summertime and so on with uh, heat-sensitive products. So it's my home. I love Southwest Florida. It has so much, especially this time of year, it's just the beaches and the, the low humidity and the beautiful weather. And we're not dealing with cold winters and snow and ice and so forth. It's certainly the trade-off, but it has come with, uh, with lots and lots of challenges, obstacles in, in, uh, in figuring out how to be the best that we can be here in this, uh, this community and or this environment. Wow. Well, I think that just speaks to how much everyone loves chocolates and yours in particular, because there's like no mountain we won't climb, no river we won't cross, right? To right, get to exactly. them. Well, you know, adversity is part of being a small business owner and, you know, trudging, dredging, trucking through challenges and finding ways to overcome that. That's what an entrepreneur does. And I've been very blessed with an incredibly talented team, some that are still here, some that have gone that, you know, I'm very grateful for all their help and assistance and helping to, to grow a company. And today, you know, we're, we feel pretty blessed of, uh, you know, 20 years of business and we're still making a lot of really quality products and being fortunate that our community has embraced, our, our, our customers have embraced the things that we do. Well, thank you for spending some time with us. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I appreciate the, uh, the time, the opportunity, and I wish you a really wonderful weekend. Happy Valentine's Day in a few weeks, and thanks for, for chatting. Norman Love is the sweet genius behind the Fort Myers-based company, Norman Love Confections. Thanks to Jeff Hauk for suggesting this episode. And if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear on The Zest, then hit us up. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Zest Podcast. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Hannah Abdel-Majid. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.